So a few weeks ago, we actually talked a little bit, got into determining one's worth. How do we do that? When do we do that? And kind of struggled a little bit with our own. But today we're really gonna dig into this because it's such an important thing, right? We all probably deal with, have at times, maybe we have friends, we have family who we feel like our worth is undercut or that our worth is tied to something and then it disappears. We feel like we are unworthy or not worth enough or people are also thinking, we aren't worth their time. We aren't worth their attention. We aren't worth that relationship. And so today we're going to look at a scripture that generally it's pretty rich. It gets broken up into all kinds of pieces, but we're going to look at it together. And generally it's thought to be about Jesus' mission. He's telling the apostles, okay, I'm about to be gone, and here's what you're going to do. You are going to go out, and you are going to talk, and you are going to live, and you are going to help, and you are going to interact with others in a particular way. And so they call that mission, that work in the world. But for us, I really want us to read it through with this lens of how are we determining our worth and someone else's worth. How is that getting picked up into this? And there's some pretty interesting language here. Sometimes it gets really strong and really dramatic, and it's meant to grab our attention of us to go, wait a minute, what in the world's going on? So as we begin into Matthew, the 10th chapter, I want us to really kind of hone in on this idea of, all right, what's Jesus saying about our worth about someone else's? So starting in verse 5 and going through 10, Jesus sent these 12 out and commanded them, don't go among the Gentiles or into a Samaritan city. Go instead to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. As you go, make this announcement. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, and throw out demons. You received without having to pay. Therefore, give without demanding payment. Workers deserve to be fed, so don't gather gold or silver or copper coins for your money belts to take on your trips. Don't take a backpack for the road or two shirts or sandals or a walking stick. And you might be going, okay, wait a minute. What, Jesus? Like, let's, let's back that up. Jesus says, okay, you're going to go out. You're going to go out to the lost sheep. He's talking specifically here about the Jews, about Israel. He's like, don't go yet to the Gentiles or Samaritans. Later on, he is going to say that. So this is not about... Oh, you're only supposed to go here and not here. This is for only a certain segment. No, Jesus is giving them a specific instruction that's supposed to catch our attention. He's like, no, you're going to go to the people that kind of, you know, are around you all the time that maybe you don't think about what they need, that maybe you overlook because you're so close to them, you're so used to them being around, you're so used to them being part of the community, that maybe you overlook those who are in need of healing, those who are in need of God's presence, those who are struggling in life, those who are in need of someone being present with them. I need you to pay attention to those right around you in this moment. I need you to heal them. 
But then he follows it with this really, therefore, give without demanding payment. Here Jesus is trying to instruct them of, okay, you're going to have to go into these situations without expectations. Now that's hard, right? You know, we want to do something good. We want to help somebody out. We're like, hey, wait a minute. I think I, I am needed here. And sometimes maybe we expect a good job or we expect us to feel better about ourselves or about the situation. Sometimes we go into moments and we don't even realize that we have particular expectations. We're like, no, this is just the right thing to do. We need to be helpful. But sometimes we carry in expectations. And Jesus here is like, hold up. We got to put those expectations down. I need you to go. I need you to help. I need you to heal. I need you to be this presence of love for others. This presence of saying you are worthy of God's love. And you're going to have to be vulnerable to do it, right? You just, he says, workers deserve to be fed, so don't gather gold or silver or copper coins for your money belts to take on the trips. But here, the vulnerability. Don't take a backpack for the road or two shirts or sandals or a walking stick. That sense of you're going to have to lay your expectations down, and it's going to be hard, and you may have to be vulnerable to do this. You may have to put yourself out there in this moment because people are worth God's love. And to be able to convey that message, to be able to connect with people, to be able to say, wait a minute, you are worthy of God's love. You are worthy of healing. You are worthy of this companionship. You are worthy of relationship. You are worthy of community. It may mean that you have to be a little bit vulnerable to get the message across. And so as Jesus is giving us a sense of how we are vulnerable, uh, a sense of kind of, all right, we got to lay down our expectations. He's also challenging us in how we are determining what someone is worth. Who is worth our time to go to and heal? Is it people that are constantly surrounded us and we're like, no, I've made judgments about them long ago. Who is worthy of our time of healing? Because we constantly determine other people's worth. Whether we realize it or not, whether we're cognizant of it, we are constantly doing it. And he goes into that in the next verses, 11 through 15. Whatever city or village you go into, find somebody in it who is worthy and stay there until you go on your way. When you go into a house, say, peace. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if the house isn't worthy, take back your blessing. If anyone refuses to welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or city. I assure you that it will be more bearable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on Judgment Day than it will be for that city. Now a verse from Ecclesiastes 2.3. I tried cheering myself with wine and by embracing folly with wisdom still guiding me until I might see what is really worthy, really worth doing in the few days that human beings have been under heaven. So 
Jesus is making this like very clear. We go into situations, we go into interactions that we are putting ourselves out there in this world in all kinds of ways, whether we're at work, whether we're having some fun, hanging out with friends, family, that there are times where we are determining someone else's worth. And so how do we determine that? What is kind of our roadmap kind of guide, Google directions? How do we know who is worth our time? Because we so often make it about, well, it depends on what they give me. It depends on how they treat me. It depends upon, right? We've got all kinds of categories that we can fill in there. And Jesus is like, all right, think about it like this. Come with peace. I come with peace. I come with blessing. A blessing of peace. And if people are like, yeah, I don't care anything about that, then you go, okay. Maybe not worth my time. Maybe not worth my energy. Maybe not worth the interaction. Maybe I got to go do something somewhere else. Maybe that's where I am called to go. And so he's giving us a sense of, if you come with blessing, a blessing of peace, and people don't want that, then they may not be worth your time, your energy, your engagement. And really think about that, right? People who don't want anything to do with peace be like, no, I'm ready to go hurt somebody. I'm all about disrespect. I'm all about whatever I can get for me, and I don't care about anybody else. I'm going, wait a minute. That is not worth my time. That is not worth my energy. And so here Jesus is challenging us of how we determine someone else's worth. Because we do it all the time, whether we know it or not. And so he's kind of given us a sense of here's how you go forward. And then with this passage from Ecclesiastes, he makes it no, like this part goes, this is a process. Like it isn't just one day we got it. I can determine someone's worth. I can determine my worth. I got it all kind of figured out and nothing like dropping the bulletin. So just a second. So we get this thing with Ecclesiastes, which is like, this is a process. I, sometimes I embrace folly. Sometimes I get wisdom. Sometimes that's what's guiding me. And here's the thing. Until I might see what is really worth doing in the few days that human beings have under heaven, that this is a process that takes time, but one that we are to engage in, not to just sit idly by and be like, eh, I don't really care. I don't want to think about it, because we still do it whether we know it or not. Continuing on in verses 16 through 20. Look, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. Watch out for the people because they will hand you over to councils and they will beat you in their synagogues. They will haul you in front of governors and even kings because of me so that you may give your testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Whenever they hand you over, don't worry about how to speak or what you will say because what you can say will be given to you at that moment. You aren't doing the talking, but the spirit of my father is doing the talking through you. 
this verse, this passage begins, these verses begin with this really one of my favorite like one-liners of, look, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves, therefore be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. Okay, just because you're on this process, just because we are trying to go down this way of going, all right, I'm trying to follow these teachings of Jesus. I'm trying to understand how we determine someone's worth, how that I need to be bringing a blessing of peace to others, of how I need to be engaging people a little bit differently. Doesn't mean that everybody's going to like us. Doesn't mean that everybody's going to be on board. There is this peer pressure, right? There's peer pressure whether we are children in schools or in our jobs out as we are adults, right? There are these pressures to go this way, to go that way, to act a particular way, and to really think about, are we innocent as doves and wise as serpents as we go through? Are we really trying to engage in a smart wise way in this world? Are we trying to understand where God is guiding us? Because God is guiding us to a life of abundance if we're willing to notice, if we're willing to take a step back, if we're willing to follow that there is an abundance to life even though the circumstances aren't exactly what we think they should be, right? It says, right, watch out for people because they will hand you over to councils and they will beat you in the synagogues. Yep, life is still going to be hard. It is not going to be easy street. It is not going to be we've hit the easy button and you get exactly what you want when you want it. Jesus is giving a sense to those apostles and to us of how we navigate those situations, of how we understand someone's worth and what it is tied to which happens to also be tied to our worth, of how we understand our own worth. Because if we think we are nothing good, that we are worthless individuals, it is hard to see the worth in others. It is hard to become wise as serpents and innocent as doves. It's hard to be that blessing of peace if we think that we aren't worth peace ourselves. And so Jesus is really digging in. And he's also making sure they remember, you aren't doing the talking, but the spirit of my father is doing the talking through you. God is still with us if we are willing to listen. God is still with us through those very difficult moments. God has not left us. God is still carrying us through and saying, We are worth God's time. We are worth God's energy. We are worth God's love. And so how does that begin to propel us, to carry us through? Moving on to verses 21 through 25. And here the the imagery gets pretty big. Like it's like, whoa, it said, what? Ho, ho. So here we go. Brothers and sisters will hand each other over to be executed. A father will turn his child in. Children will defy their parents and have them executed. Everyone will hate you on account of my name. But whoever stands firm until the end will be saved. Whenever they harass you in one city, escape to the next, because I assure you, sure that you will not go through 
all the cities of Israel before the human one comes. Disciples aren't greater than their teacher and slaves aren't greater than their master. It's enough for disciples to be like their teacher and slaves like their master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, it's certain that they will call the members of his household by even worse names. Now Philippians 4.8. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. So this imagery... It kind of slants toward the apocalyptic, which apocalyptic is about beginnings and ends, and it, it uses this stark imagery to kind of wake us up and go, wait a minute, what in the world's going on? And Jesus is talking about, you know, because of me, there's going to be divisiveness, and maybe we go to, well, yeah, there was that whole thing between Catholics and Protestants at one time, or, you know, there's things between Christians and other religions, but I really want us to see this divisiveness in a very different light of thinking about it through worth and, un, and not being worthy, of thinking about it in terms of divisions arise because we disagree with one another. And sometimes those disagreements come because we try to do the right thing. We try to show respect because we aren't trying to be power hungry or greedy because we're trying to make the right decisions because it is hard to do the right thing. It is hard sometimes to take the ethical course. It is sometimes very hard to help those who have been the recipients of injustices. It is very hard sometimes to be that healing presence for others as Jesus has commanded. And so the divisions kind of happen. Maybe we can even think back to when we were younger of being in school and somebody's like, no, 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 let, let's, let's go jump off that roof. And you know it's wrong, right? And you're like, no, my parents are going to kill me. No, can't do it. And they're like, come on, let's go. It'll be fine. We're going to have a great time. To think about the divisions that kind of happen, really, when people are encouraging being angry, giving in to despair, giving in to the world falling apart, the division of saying, no, no, you don't have to make the right decision now. You know what? A little white lie here is probably, it's not going to hurt you, and then it snowballs, right? So that division of actually, of, all right, so we're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to do the right thing, but not everybody's going to be on board with that. Not everybody's going to be that encouragement. Some people may be like, yeah, um, I really like... To, to party and go hurt people, and I'm just not into this like peacefulness that you keep talking about. I'm really not into that joy. I'd rather be angry at the world and how I've been mistreated by the world. So here, the divisions begin to look a little bit different and begin to really call us into what does it mean to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves as doves in our lives, of understanding, determining our own worth. 
the worth of others, how we are connecting, how we are understanding. And then this last part of Philippians 4.8, from now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. If we're into the division of us versus them and how dare they do that and I don't approve of and I'm going to be judgmental because that's not what I would do, that we begin to go down this rabbit hole. We begin to go down this path where we are focused upon things that are not admirable. We begin to be focused upon things that stir up that anger, that move us to places where we feel that despair, where the world seems to be falling apart in here, Philippians is calling us back to be wise as serpents and innocent as does by what we focus upon. And so if we're going to think about how we are worthy, determining our worth and determining the worth of others, we are going to have to focus upon things that are admirable, things of peace. We are going to have to focus on anything that is excellent, anything that's admirable, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. This part of the passage reminds me of my recent experience. Uh, as many of you know, I, I just got back from visiting some very good friends, family, uh, in Dubai. And right now, the Dubai World Expo is happening. The World Expo happens every five years in a city somewhere on the planet. Uh, the U.S. hosted many of these over the years. And the expo has 192 countries. 192 countries have come to Dubai. And it's an area of land that's like 600 football fields. It's massive. And I got a few days to go. I, I had been so excited for years to be able to have that experience. And one of the things I noticed, one of the things that really stuck out was that here we have 192 countries. And some of these countries uh, we know from international news that have done some awful things. Uh, we know some of these countries, they don't do the things that we think they should be doing when they should be doing them. We all have issues, all right? All of us, all over the globe, we all have issues. But at the World Expo, they are actually celebrating the best of who they are and who they want to be, the best. I'm not negating or shoving aside the issues at play. But if we only focus on, if we only focus on how they have screwed up, of how we have screwed up, of how people around us are screwing up all the time, that's all we're going to see. And that's not really worthy of admiration, right? That's not worthy of praise. And so the World Expo gave a chance to actually focus upon the best of, the best in this moment, in different places all over the world. And it was so hopeful to be able to see the best of a place, to be able to celebrate that aspect. 
And so to think about how that begins to turn and change and bring new things to conversations. So all of a sudden, it's as we are as I'm going through and it's celebrating the best of, I start to make connections of, oh my goodness, that is so cool. Oh, that makes me think of. And now I want to converse. I want to have a new perspective. I get to have a new perspective. Because all of a sudden, there is more worth in these places and in these people and in myself. A worth that is more focused upon peace. A worth that is more focused upon a worth that is more focused upon the possibilities of what can be done. And so in this moment, it propelled me to new understanding. And so to think about that, that Jesus is trying to propel the disciples, trying to propel us to new understandings about one another because of what we focus upon. And if we are trying, if we are really engaged in the process of determining someone else's worth, determining our own worth, it's going to require us to dig in and focus upon certain things, to lift things up so that we have new perspectives, connections, conversations, and possibilities. Finishing up in Matthew, the 10th chapter, verses 26 through 31. Therefore, don't be afraid of those people because nothing is hidden that won't be revealed and nothing secret that won't be brought out into the open. What I say to you in the darkness, tell in the light and what you hear whispered, announce from the rooftops. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Instead, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a small coin? But not one of them will fall to the ground without your father knowing about it already. Even the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So here Jesus goes into what we should be afraid of and what we shouldn't be afraid of. Like we need to be afraid of people who are peddling in divisiveness. We need to be afraid of people who will take our hope, who only want to shove into us despair. We need to be afraid of people who say, who laugh at us for having joy. We need to be afraid of people who are all about, let's do this whole fear thing. Let's live into fear. Let's cultivate that anger. Let's hate one another. We need to be afraid of people who say, hope? That's impossible. The world's falling apart. Nothing will ever change. Here, we are getting the sense. We are being challenged of what are we really afraid of and what do we need to be afraid of? Because what, what Jesus is saying about what we need to be afraid of, those things are the things that destroy our souls. Those things are the things that destroy who we are, that actually will kill this abundant life. We'll say it is not because you don't have enough success, you don't have enough power, you don't have enough money, you don't have the right friends, so obviously you can't have an abundant life. Jesus is going, nope, you need to be afraid of that. You need to be wary of that. You need to go in a different direction. Jesus is giving us a sense 
of a new way of living and being in the world where we are determining our worth based upon peace. We are determining our worth based upon being focused on things that are admirable, those things that are lovely. We are focusing and determining our worth on things that we can be joyfully celebrating in love. And not on the things that keep saying it's all falling apart. It's not worth anything. That person will never change. You're going to never change. We need to be focused upon things that are life-giving when we are determining our worth, when we are determining someone else's worth. Because when we focus upon that other stuff, it feels like what's the point of any of it? We live in a time where people are going to say things to us. People are going to come at us. People are going to hurt us in ways that we did not expect. And here Jesus is saying, yep, that's going to happen. But where is your worth? Do you know your worth? Do you know where your worth is placed? Do you know how to determine it and others? Here Jesus is challenging us to something new, to new possibilities, to new perspectives, to new ways of understanding our worth and others.